I wonder what those strange sounds are. Where am I? Oh, hi, Miles. Hi, Mark. You gonna engineer another episode today? I sure am. Cool. This is Low Profile with Mark Lee Morrison. And uh, I'm here with Miles at Studio B, downtown Olympia. And I'm joined here uh, for the very first time by my good friend Eli Moore. Hi. And for fourth time on the show, uh, although only, uh, yeah, yeah, this is your fourth time. This is Andrew Dorsett. For the very fourth time. And I'm Markley, and today we are here to talk to, talk about, enjoy the music of Cleaners from Venus. And, uh... This, this is a this is a cool band, right? Very cool. Very cool. Prolific. Um, mysterious. Very mysterious. Hopefully we're going to unveil some of that mystery today. Get inside the mind of Mr. Martin Newell. I can't wait. He's a songwriter and a primary... He's, he he is the cleaners from Venus, as far as I understand. Yeah, I think there was one or two other official members. One person just went by the name Nelson. Nelson. I know Nelson. Hey, listen to this. It's a corridor of dreams that gave me everything I let that roll all day uh, I'm just going to bring it down a little bit but I think that's the first song I heard by this group that's a good one me too really I think the first one where my ears perked up and I asked what it was such a good song a few days ago and then I guess it might be first time for a lot of the listeners here in this band so Lucky we all you. have something in common here. We're all naked. <laughs> and so, I think, Eli, you're the one who told me about this band. Okay. Yeah. Um, me too. Okay. And so you're, you're in charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, my first um, exposure was my roommate. I was living with Mary Jane. Dunk, dunk, oh. the singer, rock and roll singer. At, at the Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong, oh, our okay. house in West Olympia. And um, 
she bought bought this record from some band that, that is on the same label. It, I mean, this is a reissue from the '80s, but it was another oh. Captured Tracks band. Was it? It might have been Naomi Punk. Uh, maybe a, yeah. They're a local they're, band that's on that label. Okay, yeah. So she brought it home and was playing it, and I listened to it a lot, and that was where I learned about putting the record back in the sleeve when you're not listening to it. She asked me to to do that. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to it so much, and ever since then, I I try to do that with my own records too. Yeah. Thanks, Mary Jane's best practices, you know. Oh man, lesson learned. Yeah, I'm I'm still working on that one. I'm pretty good about it, but my kids uh, do not get that concept. They just uh, they pull the records out and walk up to me with their sticky hands holding the vinyl, and saying, "Papa, put it on." <laughs> What's that? Oh, this is another song by the cleaners from Venus. <laughs> Turns out, goodbye, dreaming fields. Actually, this is a debut solo record. Say, say again. This is his debut solo record, I think. I yeah, think that's right. Yeah. yeah, first song on his first Martin Newell album. And let's there it is. Sounds good. I think Andrew knows all the harmonies to this song. Is that right? <laughs> I've sung, I've sung t- t- along to this song quite a bit. They don't come out. They don't come in for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to that. So this one was produced by uh, Andy Partridge mm-hmm. of the band. Um, ecstatic. XTC. And, uh, it, what, 1993? Came yeah, out? I think it That's, came out in 93 yeah. or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, not a lot of people were doing this in 1993, you know, making good music. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is, like, his most heard work. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's considered, like, his kind of breakout record. Ah. Actually, I... Uh, source of great authority wikipedia confirms that, that fact yeah. <laughs> yeah it's his most well-known record yeah. How is it so well sorry known? everybody if you've heard this a million times we're just <laughs> yeah. just just think of the other man what a guy though so we, what do we know about this band, this project? Do, I, I, he's like uh, considered a pioneer of home recording um, in the in the UK. Anyway, I, that's as far as I know. That's actually one of my big the things I'm most curious about is how he, from his perspective, how his home recording fits into the 
world of home recording because maybe the, he had mentors that, that we haven't mm-hmm, even heard about mm-hmm. or you know yeah. or maybe he was a trail police or so uh, maybe we should say that just for the listeners the cl- i mean uh, pretty much all the cleaners from venus stuff that i'm aware of he did himself right i mean it's home recorded is that like true on four tracks at least like the first you know five i know that he got into the studio later like he had a full band at, uh, at some point in the 80s but I, I don't even know i can't really find those records uh, th- huh. they'll squeeze some of those songs on greatest hits or but yeah or the like classic maybe. ones sound very home recorded and when were those classic ones early 80s when did he start yeah doing that that's stuff? it early 80s 81 to 88 or okay. 85 or 6 or yeah it depends i mean it's hard to say what is classified as classic now right right but, right um, and and how did how were they released back then? Like, did he self-release them or how? What? I think he just walked around with some cassette tapes that he, like, the artwork's usually like kind of like a colored pencil illustration. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, if you get the albums now on CD or vinyl, it's a picture of the cassette cover. Okay, right. Like yeah, small, been... like cassette-sized. Yeah. In a template. The, yeah, in right. a little template with like a just a solid colored background that's uh what captured tracks has been doing anyway yeah they released so they're a label and record store in some part of new york Mm -hmm. and um they released i guess like in the last decade at some point um they they put out all of them bunch maybe maybe all i know they put out um like three box sets okay wow and then yeah, so a prolific. bunch of individual albums as well. Wow. But, um, and I think c- to go back to your question about how he got rid of the tapes, I, I, it seemed like he, w- at the point, th- this is another thing that he, part of his whole um, story was he was kind of rebelling. He was anti-music industry. Right. So it was a way to avoid the music industry, and he would literally send them to everybody except for the record industries and just kind of, you know, try and get them in stores and... Oh wow! On on his own, but um, I mean, did did he send them to like zines? And, I mean, I think that that was just right stuff? when zines were even getting started. But yeah, I would imagine that it probably got in. They probably got reviewed by Op at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah. That world, that whole RSTV mm-hmm. Op kind of home taping world that I don't know that much about. Really, I don't know that much about it either. I think um. So our, our Stevie Moore uh, is he's another guy that we're well acquainted with that um, is, a, you know, the godfather of lo-fi home recording. In America, anyway. In America, anyway. I mean, them, hopefully, uh, I don't think uh, anyone's claiming the global title. Not yet. <laughs> That's what we're going to figure out today. That's the lo-fi king of the world. Yeah, who's the lo-fi king of the world? I don't know. Well, yeah. we're, But it's just a whole can of worms. There's so much cleaners from Venus music that um, it, we got to listen to some more. And I, I want to play the song Only a Shadow. Oh, such a good song. Yeah, I, I just thought that would be nice for everybody. Yeah. So here we go with Only a Shadow, and this is from Midnight Cleaners, which uh, that's that's one of the albums I own at home. 
This is what it sounds like. I love all these bass lines. I know. Yeah. One and, of my favorite bass players. And the guitar is kind of like like the Smiths, only good. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like a Strat. This is all done on four track. That's that's crazy. I think he used an eight track too. Oh, wow. I don't know. I I'd love to find some of the out some of this stuff, but yeah, he had a portage studio. Yeah, we gotta ask him how many tracks he used. How many microphones, you know? Yeah. Probably one at least. Yeah, at least one. Did you guys know that um, I think it MGMT covered this song on their Day Trotter session? No kidding. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Never heard it, but I heard about it. Shout out to uh, Day Trotter. Yeah, well, Day Trotter, if you're listening, um, hi. Link in our yeah. bio. Hello. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, yeah, some good like punk energy in this tune. Yeah, the drums sound great. Yeah, I, I like the whole thing. Yeah, the whole package. It'd be so cool if we could somehow ask this guy a bunch of questions and find out <laughs> more stuff about him, but I don't know if that's... If that's in the cards If that's today. in the cards for today, I mean... Well, <sighs> yeah, I bet he... You, you know how these guys are. They usually want to talk about their, their newer stuff. Right, and, right. Um, Right. So we've been mostly listening to Cleaner's tracks from, you know, back in the day. Back in the 80s. Hey, we got another Andrew in the house. Andrew. Hey. We're just, uh, we're, we're talking about the Cleaners from Venus. Oh, yeah. Aren't they the band from, uh, they're not from the kids in the hall, right? Mm-hmm. No, that would have been Andrew's cool, though. That's some shadowy people on oh, the really? shadow planet. You know, it's funny you say that, though, because I was thinking Cleaners from Venus today sounds like shadowy men from a shadowy planet, a bit, and I yeah. was wondering if they knew each other at all. But huh. that was just like a private thought I had earlier. <laughs> oh, they have the same queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's where they the They both have pictures of her in Parliament. It's true. It's true. Um m- Mr. Martin Newell has sent me some songs that he's working on for his upcoming release. Um, he put out, it looks like he put out a couple albums last year. Right, yeah. And uh, those, are, those are really nice, too. This, was, uh, this is the title track from an album that he put out in 2018, and it's called Life in a Time Machine. Uh, 
And I'll be damned if it doesn't still sound like Cleaners from Venus. Same guitar. Oh, I was like, that was a strange change. <laughs> uh, this is my computer doing a remix. <laughs> this is uh, all of a sudden Milltown Girls, which is a song from an upcoming Cleaners from Venus. Uh, this is world premiere, folks. You were still a Milltown girl. Every time I saw your face, you were the one I knew you were the one. But every day, so distant then, miles away, a cloud covers the sun. You know what, computer? That was actually a pretty tactful choice on your part. <laughs> it, it, worked, it was a good transition. Came in right at the chorus. Yeah. Um, really, really didn't see that one coming. But <laughs> I, I, I was planning to share that song, so good job, computer. What do you guys think? I think this stuff sounds great, and we should do a podcast about it. Yeah. I All agree. right. Um, what are you doing later? Yeah. No, nothing. I, I was planning on barbecuing. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you, are you guys hungry? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I will be. I will be. Okay. Um, maybe we should call Mr. Martin Newell. Oh, man. And, and talk to him. Where are we calling Who, him? Where I, does he live? I don't know. I think he might be at work. Okay. <laughs> um, he, well, he said he was on kitchen duty. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. He he sent me an email. Uh, I think he lives somewhere on the east coast of England. Okay. Maybe kind of like southeast or. Yeah. So like. Uh, I know it's it's basically we're we're right in between his kitchen duty and his bedtime. Huh. So uh, before we call him, uh, we got to hear this song called Helpless, right? Yeah, I think so. What's this album called? Blow Blow your, your Troubles Away. Blow Away Your Troubles. Blow your, Away Your Troubles. I think this is the first Cleaners from Venus album. Oh, wow. So we're going from the future to the beginning. Loving you. 
it's so sweet. Also, I, I guess I don't really want to talk about, oh, it sounds like this or that. They, they reminded me of like, kind of like a little more elaborate guided by voices or something when I first heard them. Yeah. More kind of like, more direct or more yearning or, or um, emotionally. I think just less drunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics uh-huh. are more, more yeah, more um, sober. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's what it is. Um, I like. I, I mean, I I love guided by voices too. I'm I'm not gonna. I like being drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like being sober too. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Wow. Well, um, I think we're gonna make that transition pretty soon here. Um, let's we're gonna the, call Martin. We're gonna call Martin on the phone. Oh my gosh! On the telly, as my mom told me they called it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's not what they call it. <laughs> on the mobile. On the mobile. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ring him on the mobile. Quicker than you can say, Bob's your uncle. Good evening. Good evening, Martin. Hi, hi. Can you you got me all right? Have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you hear us okay? Um, yeah, I can hear you. Um, am I, am I broadcast quality? It sounds yeah, like sounds it sounds good. pretty good on our end. Yeah. We've... Okay, okay. Yeah, I can, I can just I can hear you. I've got the sound of a room, but then I I have been recording all day, so I, I sent you two tracks as well. Yes. Yeah, we just, uh, we listened to the, um, what was it? The Mil- Milltown Girl? or Yeah, Milltown Girl. Oh, I sent you Milltown Girl, did I? Right, okay. I couldn't remember because I was finishing off another track, a more difficult track. And I decided not to, I think I decided not to send that because I was still That's... mixing it. But it's getting, sounding really good now. So yeah, it go. sounded great. So yeah. you've, got, you've got Milltown Girls and, um, and, and uh, what's it called? James um, Thorne. James Thorne, yeah, 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 yeah. Kimberly Rue really liked that. Yeah, we haven't listened I, I, to that I, I, one on the show yet, but we'll be right. we'll be uh, premiering that later in the episode. So, well, yeah. uh, wh- wh- when is this one going out? Oh goodness, when, when it... I I would guess that this one will probably come out uh, maybe in late June. Oh, that's right. As long as you give me notice, and I'll put it up on Facebook and put links up to it, so you get maximum coverage. So, lovely. That's yeah. great. How? Um, how? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know anything about you. The, 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 the it's a it's a podcast, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, it's it, uh, it's quite quite an established one, is it? Because I've only been doing my podcasts for a, I don't know, a couple of years or something. So I just do a bit of music. I do a half hour one. Oh yeah. They yeah. don't loom large in my life, so. Yeah, I've. I've well, not my my podcast, don't. Yeah, you want to plug that? What's it called, Martin? Oh, Martin Neal's Oddcast. Yes, <laughs> with an e at the end, isn't it? Yes, it is because we had the Oddcast, and and something happened where they, I don't know what they did, but they made me a separate account, and I kept posting it, and I had to take the account down in the end, and the only way I could avoid the confusion with the redundant account 
was to put an E on the end of it. That that seemed to fox the computer wizard or something. And, and so I got my... And not only that, but I can also see a thing to switch accounts. So when it ever tries to put me back in a redundant account, um, which I can't sort of manage to delete, yeah. uh, then, well, then it, I, I know how to switch it back. So I can do their magic, but they can't do mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, we... Uh, I'm here with um, my good friends Andrew and Eli. Um, Andrew and I used to run a record label or a cassette label, rather. Um, oh right. Called Brown Interior, and we uh, lost our domain, spelling it the American way. So we added a U to Interior and established All a right. new domain. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's yeah. what you got to do. Yeah. Except the computers are easily fooled still at the moment. It's easy to fuck them up. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe for not too much longer, but at least for now. Yeah, we've got the upper hand for the time being. As, yeah. as an older gentleman, I like that sort of thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I like it when sheer obstreperous age and can can defeat a computer. Speaking of, uh, so yeah, you you are an older gentleman in this, uh, especially in this medium, and I, your song, "The Jangling Man," you mentioned about. Uh, they haven't been as angry as this since 1381 and I just thought maybe for our listeners you could tell people what it was like back then (laughs) (laughs) very good they're breaking glass and burning buildings in the early greenhouse sun the powers that be will blame extremists and I may well be one yes I Well, 1381 was actually the date in England of the Peasants' Revolt. Oh. Um, and, the, and the Peasants' Revolt, I, shame on me, I can't remember the name of the king, I think it was, a, I think it was one of the Richards. But um, he, uh, they, they, it, it, it emanated from this area, from Essex. Now, Essex is to London what New Jersey is to New York. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. There's some context. It's seen as kind of a, like a little bit rough and all the rest of it, but, you know, New York comes up with this, and they, you know, I suspect a lot of people who supposedly come from New York don't actually come from New York, they actually come from somewhere else. Right. Like, you know, because, cause like, they can, New York can big it up all they like, but in the end, New Jersey has Bruce Springsteen, and it has Frank Sinatra, and there's fuck all they can do about that. That's right. <laughs> That's true. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and it's like London, <laughs> and it's like and like London can say what it likes, but you know, they, but Essex has Ian Dury and oh. Doctor Feel Good and Billy Bragg, and, and for that matter, me. So right. Right. they can deal with that. And Depeche Mode, they came from Essex. Yeah. They were wow. pure mid county Essex. Wow, is yeah, that book? So it, it, is that book the pe- you know, you could, the Peregrine? Is that from Essex as well? Absolutely, you know about that one, yeah, do you? Yeah. Very wow! Book. Yeah, that's very that's very popular with the kind of the new wild writers, the the hipsters of writing. We used to call it nature writing when I was a kid, and it wasn't remarkable because most of the people still lived in the country. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that's why there was a peasants' revolt because it's as usual. It's the big important metropolis 
thinking that that's all there is, the big important metropolis. Mm. And then suddenly they realise there's a countryside, so they go out and do a few lessons on it, and then they do a few lessons on how to write about it, and then they come back into the country and tell us all how it, how it is and what we're, where we're going wrong, you know, like why we should be caring about it more. They, they tell hoary old farmers who've been, you know, up, up to their knees in pig shit for forever, and there's these people sort of prancing about in their cities like a clothes telling farmers where they're going wrong. The farmers don't like it, of course. Yeah, of course. Unfortunately, so. <laughs> they're not allowed to throw pitchforks at them anymore, so... <laughs> Not even four-tine muck forks. <laughs> so, no, anyway, are we doing this interview now? Because I'm probably saying a whole load of incriminating things at the moment. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's okay. We, we won't tell anybody what your name is. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'll never eat polenta in this town again. <laughs> oh, so you... Do you, uh, have you been keeping count? How many Cleaners from Venus albums are you up to at this point? Um, well, I know that when there was a documentary crew here, they said, do you know how many, how many albums you've made? And I said, oh, I don't know, probably about 25 or 30. And I, I got them all down. You know, I had to get old vinyl from the attic because that's how old I am, vinyl from first time around. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, was, it was 40 then. But I have reason to think it might be a bit more than that. It could be about 45 or maybe more, but I usually underestimate. Because I know it usually, it depends on, some people don't count cassettes as albums, but of course they were albums, oh, but sure. they were on a cassette format. Yeah. Um, but, that, you know, at the time, certain people laughed at me, and I said, well, I'm not playing your game. And, you know, actually, <laughs> cassettes, I brought out cassettes and we started selling them, and nobody took it really seriously. And now, now of course, people do. I seem to have quite a young following, you know? Yeah, today. Because uh, all the people of my age are playing blues, especially white folks. They're playing black blues. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I don't know what the deal well, is. English folks, who, oh, English folks who used to work for Inland Revenue, or what you would call internal revenue, uh-huh. they get their retirement package and they buy an important guitar and they sit around the pub talking about blues guitars and and people who've got names like, you know, Death Boy McDufferson or something like that, you know, <laughs> trying to outdo each other with... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah um, People, are, you know, they, for all the world, then they then they turn up dressed like carpet fitters in the local pub, <laughs> and uh, and and play a sort of a pallid version of the blues. And I'm very unpopular for for saying bad things about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're not. Unfortunately, they're they're also too fat to catch me, so they can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to have to uh, mention that this is an explicit episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, now are with the cleaners from Venus, I, I don't actually like British blues very much, but some guys, there are some good British blues bands here. In, in their defense, I will say that. And the east of England kind of is the home for it. There's some really great blues bands come out of Ipswich, for instance, at the South End. But it's just too many middle-aged guys playing the blues. True. Yeah. yeah. True here as well. I just, don't, I, I just can't believe... Actually, I can believe that everybody's unhappy that they can play the blues with any authenticity, but I'm not particularly unhappy. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You, I, your, your songs do reflect... Uh, I, I feel like a lot of your music is uh, based on your, your own experience. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know very much about you, but... 
I, I feel like we get a glimpse in, into your life through the lyrics. Yeah, there's like a yeah, yeah. You put, what do you do? Because I, I write about what I know. It was it was like what Hemingway said: you should write about what you know and not mm-hmm. too goddamn much of it. Was it him who said that? But um, I do write. I do write. You know, I'm, I'm sort of pretty soaked in England. Some people have accused me of being soaked in an England that doesn't exist anymore, and there may be some truth in that too. Mm-hmm. But I'm perfectly aware of what's going on. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I I live I live in the provinces. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in London. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I live I live where I live, and I I, I thought, look, me, for me, music is a cottage industry. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just thought, well, when 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 people weren't very nice about me in the seventies and the early eighties, say, well, they wouldn't kind of they couldn't see whatever vision I had, however skewed that was. I thought, well. If I cu- if they won't let me in the game, I'll have to start my own game, a little yeah. game, you know, and just sell the music from the back door of my cottage and make it on cassettes, you know. I, I'm going to have to recognise the fact that I may never make any money or ever get famous from doing music. Now, what do I want? Do I want fame and money or do I want music? Which of these three do I love? And I thought, music. Let's keep the music and if it's going to be any good, anything that comes off it is a bonus, but let's keep the music because I know that other people's vision for my music was to do with money and fame and you're never going to get anywhere unless you do this. And I thought, I'm not doing that. I want to make English cottage music. So that's what I did. So for... And eventually it's worked because other, other people who live in other cottages in other countries have sort of found some kind of resonance with it. I don't know. That's what I think has happened. Yeah. So for 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 you, um, lear- start beginning to record from home was 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 a way to to do music the, the way yes, you wanted ironically, to. I, yeah, I have to thank the Japanese for this because uh, the Japanese, you know, I, my first ever re- home recording machine anyway was a Sony TC six thirty, a sound on sound seven inch quarter, quarter inch tape reel machine. You couldn't even do stereo with it, but you wow. could bounce from head to head. And then in 1980, I, I think it was, I got, I got the Porter Studio, wow. and it was a four-track, yeah. and it cassette format four-track. And I just thought, in theory, I now have the same facilities that the Beatles had up until about 1966 or seven, mm-hmm. up until about 67. Well, I'm not saying so. What I need to do, yeah. what what I need to do is make a kind of backyard garden shed. Sergeant, uh, backyard garden shed, not Sergeant Pepper, but a rubber sole at least, something like that. In theory, I could do, of course, I didn't have decent mics. Where the bass was homemade, mm. but you know, we had to start somewhere. The bass was homemade. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? It been made. The bass that I used on most of those early cleaners things were made by a, a bloke called Karl Szymanski, um, who was a Polish Scottish bass guitarist who brought up in Colchester, but. Um, but he he was a you know he was a, a mechanic an electronic engineer at Marconi in Chelmsford. He was a bit of a boffin like that, but he was also a bit handy. He was a bass player in Plod, the glam rock band I joined. Oh, wow. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, he was. You know, you've always got one guy who can take the back off an amp and know what it means. Right, right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he was that. And I, and I was the person who could take the back off a woman's makeup box and know what that meant, you know. <laughs> wow. 
you know those bass, yeah, that the, ba- those bass lines. Free lipstick and mascara, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. So when you started, 20, a lot of twenty-year-old Englishmen were very interested in that sort of thing at that time. And um, as Mick Jagger once said, you know, generally an Englishman doesn't have to be asked twice to get into a frock. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, oh. So was there any um, one else at the time, or? in your community or that you knew of who was making home recordings or were you the first, were you Brit blazing your own trail? Um, I think other people were doing it. Slightly older guys than me, guys who were maybe six or seven years older than me, who were, you know, of the hippie generation, um, were, you know, they'd, you know, if someone who made a bit of money off a record might buy a Revox. But there wasn't much in the way of studios when I started. If you wanted to just buy some time in a four-track recording studio, it would be quite expensive if you were a broke musician who was working part-time gardening or, or you know, washing dishes. You know, it was something, something I always wanted to do, but there was a studio in Cambridge that offered a, a deal where you could have a, a whole day and a half in there, and it would be about 300 quid, but... 300 quid would have been about two months' wages in those yeah, days for a very a broke musician. Yeah. Yeah, so so it would have to be a band effect, but I could never sell the idea to the band I was with. I said, look, guys, why don't we pool our money, use some of the gig money, and we could go and buy a day and a half. If we really planned it, we could make a single, we could knock out a single, and then we could sell it at gigs. But even then it was a bridge too far because people just didn't do that in 1976. So, so how did yeah, your, so, uh, your, your band plod recorded at least a single, right? How- we recorded six, we recorded six tracks and we, we recorded incessantly. Once I got my Sony TC 630 and learned to use it, but that wasn't good enough. But then we got someone who was interested in us and he gave us a day in London, so we got up very bright and early one morning in early 75, I think it was. Uh, we got to the studio about 1977. <laughs> so we got to the studio, uh, you know, bright and early, and we ate a greasy breakfast, as Englishmen do. And we went into the studio, and of course, we'd rehearsed recordings. We knew we were going to put these numbers down, and we thought, we'd better be really tight as a Nats chuff, you know, we'd better be really, really good. Yeah, you want to make so the we most rehearsed. Of time. A- we rehearsed every night, you know. We didn't have any gigs in the middle of the winter, so we rehearsed in a hut every night for two weeks. Rehearsed six, uh, nothing but the six numbers. Of course, we went into the studio, and uh, the engineer was said, who are you guys? Where do you come from? You know, he said, oh, we come from Colchester, which is kind of like saying you come from Moose Dong, Nebraska, or something <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> I, I love your parallels. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a place called Moose Dong, Nebraska? I hope so. I don't know, but it would be. I mean, it, may, I mean, it wouldn't be anywhere, you know, <laughs> near a big city. Sure, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so uh, we're from Colchester, and, we're, and we're, we were a really tight little glam rock band, and we made these records. The unfortunate thing is that anything you hear by Plod wasn't from the wasn't from the main masters, only because I snuck a cassette out of there. I begged for a cassette, and eventually I got not even a great cassette because they were very loath to re- you know to relinquish anything that we could have taken away right. until we'd signed uh-huh. some stuff so you know that's and and of course everything collapsed as things do in the music industry and mm-hmm. well, uh, years later i unearthed this thing and an italian label 
uh, I think somebody cleaned the tapes up a little bit, but the best example of what we did is, is on YouTube. It's called Neo City. Even now, I'm immensely proud of that because I wrote that when I was 20, you know, and and, and I was still a bit of a mess then, you know. Uh, you know, I've been a bit fond of, of of this and that, inhaling this right. and taking that and doing all the rest of it, and I was I was in recovery from that, and of course, all my considerable creativity and energy got poured into writing songs for this new band that I just loved being with, and. I don't think we knew what we'd got. We'd got something really good. We just were too clumsy to know how to go about it. Give us another year and a bit bit more studio time. We could have probably been the formidable contenders. But then there's loads of stories in the music industry like that. So I don't think we're unique or anything. But, but th they were good songs. So Cleaners from Venus came around how? Like, and also the name. Well, Oh, where'd you get that band name from? <laughs> Lowell Elliott, the first drummer with the Cleaners from Venus, and the co-creator of the Cleaners from Venus with me, a lovely northern lad who I met, my co-conspirator. Um, he says he came up with it. Okay. Actually, we can't remember, but I, I give him the benefit of that doubt, you know, because we did think of some stupid names. He definitely came up with the Brotherhood of Lizards. <laughs> I mean, we wanted to be called the Misterons. We both thought that was a good name, but we found some other band had that, you know? Oh, sure. man, that's a real dread. Mm. Well, you know. And, and then uh, for, for about five minutes, we were the soft humans. Then one night, either Lol or me said either in the Black Boy or the Rosen Crown or the Station or the Park Hotel or whatever pub we were in, someone came up with cleaners from Venus, and I thought, yeah, that could work. Yeah, it's got a so, nice ring to it. But it wasn't a career decision because we didn't, we didn't really, think, we didn't have much gear. We had junkyard gear, and we had my sound on sound machine. We just started every Monday recording these songs, and people who listened to it because they were all either old hippies or the beginning of radical new punks. They listened to this stuff and they thought, I think they thought we were damaged. <laughs> I think they thought we were what we call damaged goods, you know. They looked at yeah. us, and, and the people, the people who my people who had a university of education, say, had more than three books on their shelves, and none of them by uh, about James Bond. Um, <laughs> you know, those kind of people. You know, educated people. You know, sure. people who shine their shoes and can drive around corners without sticking their tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those kind of people, educated people, you know. They just said, they just looked at us with incomprehension in their eyes. They just said, what are you, what are you doing this for? And we thought it was great. We thought it was fun, especially things like Swinging London off the first cassette. You know, there's a track called Swinging London. Oh, 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 oh,
I mean, it's terrible sound quality, but it begins. You can hear, you can hear my voice shouting something. I'm actually shouting <laughs> in a kind of muppet voice. I'm shouting, I'm shouting something like, "I'm roasting rocks in my closet." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! Speaking of uh, this would have been, Mark- this would have been really fun. You know, you can hear on the beginning of um, Only a Shadow, I shout something like the special carpet sketch. <laughs> what? This is the special carpet sketch because previously, when we tried to record something, we had I'd got a contact high from Lowell because I didn't really take a lot of drugs by this time, but I'd have the odd to- toke of a joint or something. But Lowell used to be very fond of mushrooms and all sorts of hallucinogenic stuff. I don't think you get a contact and high from mushrooms. Does that stuff grow? No, no, but he came, no, not physically, but mentally, because we were good friends. Ah. And he came around and he was tripped out, and I was just kind of probably, as usual, hung over. And it was Monday morning, and, and um, we were both cleaners, so we didn't work on Monday mornings. And uh, so we used to record. And he came around one day, and it, all kinds of bad things happened, like a glass of water got knocked over on some tapes, uh, you know, someone banged into a thing, and finally, just when <laughs> just when you thought it was we were beginning to get it together, we had a paraffin heater, kerosene heater, and I was not paying attention to what I was doing, and f- and <laughs> fell over that, and the, two things happened: the paraffin heater fell over, the paraffin came out of the paraffin heater because it was an old paraffin heater, went over the carpet, and the wick set fire to the carpet. So oh, I like, no. fucking hell, the carpet's on fire. I mean, this is my house where I lived with my girlfriend. And okay, it wasn't great, but she wouldn't have been very pleased if she'd come in and seen me surrounded by fucking flames. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, oh, so we got this thing put out, you know. Um, we didn't do it with water. It, did, it went, because paraffin, you know, it looks a bit volatile, but it's, it's not volatile like petrol. If it had been petrol, we'd be in trouble. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, um... But with this thing went out, and the carpet wasn't even damaged, and I was just thinking, it's all going wrong today, wrong today. And just to finish it off, I said, we'd better clean up that one track there. Press the record and bulk erased 30 seconds of everything we'd done that day. Bulk erased it, (laughs) rendering the track useless. I mean, that was the day me and Lowell still talk about. You know, he says, what happened that day? I said, don't ask me, I didn't have anything, you know. Wow. Yeah. You know, that kind of shit it, doesn't happen in the recording studio. You don't get those kind of stories well, from uh, hiring an engineer and, you know, it, no, it, I think it breathes, no, that sort of, breathes that, life that into sort of the thing songs. Doesn't, I don't think that sort of thing happens in, in say, the Oval Office either, but <laughs> well, well, it might. Yeah, <laughs> it's already got more charter happening now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> could... I mean, I, I think if that happened... Uh, Nobody would bat an eye. Does <laughs> yeah, Donald, Donald Trump use kerosene heaters then? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, Martin. <laughs> Neither would I. Hey, um, Maybe he dries his hair on him. Hey, what can you tell me about Schmooty Patootie? This is Mr. Schmooty Patootie saying, stay close to the walls, kids. We're going underground. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was a kind of, you know, like one of those cheap animations you get. I imagined him as a, 
I thought we'd have a cartoon character introduce tracks. I think, was that Living with Victoria Gray? So I hi- hijacked some music from somewhere, yeah, some vo- old vaudeville music. And then and then I, I imagined this guy with a made-up, like your kid will bring home. You know, I, I, made, I made a model at school today, Dad, you know, and it's made out of a potato and four matchsticks with a bit of lipstick painted on it or something like that. And I just thought it'd be a character like that, something the Bulgarians used as an animated series in the, in, before the before the communist bloc came down, you know, and uh, you know, with a, an incomprehensible name. And I just thought he'd be called Mister Schmoody Patooty, and, and he'd have one of these voices like that, you know, like one of these, like you know, jump up and down and keep yourself fit, <laughs> <laughs> that, that sort of thing. And remember, kids. You know, it's harder to, to rub toothpaste over your legs than to put a green fluorescent towel on your head. That sort of thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we just, I don't know, Lauren and I use funny stuff endlessly funny. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I listen to your music sometimes at my workplace, which is a, a very busy bakery. And uh, anytime, <laughs> yeah. anytime Schmoody Patootie shows up, you know, we get a bit of, little bit of uh relief because some people have to clear out <laughs> it's uh so i really appreciate it <laughs> i think it's hilarious it's, um what the other thing was i used to we had the university challenge music but i mean there was a version where it was a paul young song doing a marvin gay sock paul young singing wherever i lay my hat that's my home do, do you know this song it was yeah, a big a, hit that's in a, i'm thinking of Wherever I lay my hat, that's my home. But there was times when I thought it would be great if we sang it in a kind of, um, like, Kermit the Frog, you know. So, oh, yeah. uh, this never got, this never, this was like, never made it. Well, look in your eye, I can tell you're going to cry. Is it over me, Miss Biggie? Like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, you know, that kind Kermit of, there were many things that didn't make it onto the tape. It's a shame. But, what uh well now now the listeners can hear it here you know yeah you know because i would just i don't know there was just you just got bored sometimes and i mean for some reason there's there's a voice spun in there somewhere on one of the end of the tracks and we don't know where it came from it's probably me but it's like we sped the voices up but it sounds like porky pig you know (laughs) <laughs> and just at the end, the end of a track, and then this voice spins in out of nowhere in between the tracks saying, and if you mess about with all the juxtapositions, what do you know? You've got to plan it. <laughs> and me and Lord were just looking at it and said, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. uh, probably another contact. Huh? Yeah, we just didn't know. It was like, you know, it was fun, though. It was, re- it was fun, and it was funny. Yeah, it, it was just like you funny guys the whole time. It was a good time. We didn't think anything was ever going to get released. And finally, when we had 40 tracks, I said, you know, we've got about 40 tracks here. How many can you fit on a cassette? And we thought maybe 25 or 26. So we we sent we made one up, sent it to one of the music papers who were running cassette columns then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people sort of started sending little requests in, and we sold about 50 of them. And, Lowell had to go out and steal a whole load of cassettes, you know, to put them on because oh, we didn't wow. have any money. <laughs> and he got caught one day. And so uh, it was. this was like something out of Monty Python. So Lowell, I didn't say Lowell. I said, Lowell, we can buy some cheap cassettes. But he, being a, more of an anarchist than me, just went out and systematically looted uh, 
looted store, liberated, he, I believe he called it, liberated, but he found sure. cassettes. Yeah, so he got these cassettes, and um, and we copied the th- he copied the things onto them. So, and and so he said, then we can give them away, so we don't make any money off it. This was an ideal to be. I thought an ideal would to be striven towards. We made a bit of money from it, but okay. no. So we we got these cassettes, and uh, one day he got arrested. Oh no! He just absent absently gone into a shop and taken two cassettes because it was a very big shop, I think. That's, uh, so. Um, he was arrested by the store detective, and then the police found him. And they, when they searched him, they found a, a quarter ounce of of uh, dope on him as well. Oh no! And 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 the, the policeman said, "What's what's this?" And Long said, oh, "I was wondering where that was." <laughs> he said, "It went missing ages ago." So they took him down to the police station. It, this is coming out in a forthcoming book, actually. And he and he. They fingerprinted him 18 times and snapped him. This other other policeman came in and said, you're the one, are you? And Long said, I suppose I must be. Like, so they took him off and they photographed him loads of times. He thought it was a bit strange for just a little bit of dope and stealing two cassettes. This is a petty crime, you know. It's not grand larceny or anything, is it? Okay. So, so they, then the first policeman comes back in the room and says... To the second police, well, what, what are you, what are you doing with my? This is my, this is the man I arrested. And he said, yeah. He said, isn't he something to do with that IRA terrorism uh, cell? Oh my god! Uh-oh. And he, and he said, and he said, no, no, no. He's, he's just a shoplifter, and, and I found a bit of dope on him, sort of thing. And so the second cop goes, oh, and and looks at Law and says, why didn't you say anything? And Law said, <laughs> you never asked. <laughs> so, so after that confusion was cleared up, they gave him a statement sheet to sign, and Lowell wrote on it, <laughs> he wrote, it's a fair cop, society is to blame. Uh, <laughs> which is, it is something... <laughs> and so he gets released, and he, he's late for the cleaning job, and, you know, and then a, a couple of months later he comes up in court and he gets £25 fine on both charges, so... So is that so? He was a cleaner. Yeah, we were both. Work, he was working as the restaurant cleaner, and I was working as the restaurant plongeur, the washer up, the guy who drags the wine around and washes the dishes, and you know, cleans the restaurant in the morning quickly before the customers get in. Ah, uh, coworkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah, had a I lot got, of coworkers on this show. Honestly, because I got him the job. I got him the job as the uh, as the afternoon cleaner, and he he got a bit of extra work as well. You know, it was all the heavy duty stuff. Like you had to take the the Ventaxia fan out of the window, get all the grease out of it, and clean the blades. I you know I showed him how to take it apart and things like that. You know, because like, you can take them apart, and you need to put them back together properly, or the chef gets cross. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. That's that's the way it goes. But yeah, we both. We, you know, we were in our twenties. You know, we were. You know, Couple of no good nicks, but we were we were at least doing an honest job uh, for, for a few days a week. And you were on you were on dish duty tonight too. Is that, I was on what? Were you on dish duty tonight? You had to do the tonight dishwashing. You said you were you were no. the ki- kitchen duty or. No, no, only, only for my partner. No, I haven't worked in a kitchen for decades. No, I, that's what I thought. <laughs> no, I was no, saying, you gotta, to you're cook, cooking you know, dinner tonight. She cooks for me. She, you know, we share, she lives you know, up the road, and I sometimes eat at her house, but at weekends, usually. She's uh, down here, so I, I'm cooking. What, what did you make for dinner tonight? Kedgeree. Oh, it's an old British oh, yeah. colonial dish. It's a, it's a mixture of British food and, 
and Indian food. It's kind of like it's rice and haddock and peas and hard-boiled eggs all chopped in, and it's got some curry powder in there as well. That ah. sounds great. And then a, and a salad to go on the side. Nice. Are you big on cooking? Yeah, very... like, has that been a, a constant thing for you, making making good food? Well, I can cook, and I worked in restaurants, so I picked up a few tricks, but I'm not a foodie. Do you have that word in America? Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not a foodie. I think that's really decadent being a foodie. I'm right, just, yeah. I try and eat sensibly and eat what I can and, and eat stuff that's locally sourced, you know. Like, you know, I know how to go past the window or anything, but I try and make sure it's local fishermen have caught them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good, good policy. You know, I just try and, I, I try, and I try not to... Consider, I've always been like that. They're old sort of punk, hippie ideas. Suddenly the rest of the world's caught up with it just when we're about to become extinct, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have but, a. But uh, I, I, I've always been, I've always been like that, you know. I mean, it's partly occasioned by the fact that we had no money, and it's a sensible way to live, you know. You right. can, you can, you can eat well for not much money, and you can eat sensibly, and you don't have to strain the planet too much. Yeah. But but I'm not here to give a green, you know, political broadcast or anything. No, but you know, I think it ties into your music, you know, um, you know, like you were talking about, you know, cottage sort of music, you know, like. Local yeah. home brewed type of thing, you know. Uh, mm. That's super valuable. Well, that was a really big deal making home brew. Yeah, the whole thing was fueled by, by you know, on home brew. Yeah, yeah. I did. I was doing that way back in the, I don't know, the seventies. Oh wow! Out of necessity, I thought, look, this beer is getting, you know, it's, it was just it wasn't expensive then, but it was still too expensive for me to go to a bar every night. So I figured. Yeah, we could make some beer. And I found you could buy these kits, but the kits weren't good. So I went a bridge further and found this book on how to brew beer. And it really ain't rocket science. There were just mm -hmm. a few hard and fast rules and that anyone could make one decent beer. So I'd get the hops and the malts and boil them up. And I'd talk to the guy in the homebrew shop. And, uh, you know, we, 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 I made some really quite good beer. And I just made one beer that I could make the same quality every time and and that's what we had Newell's homebrew young and vicious it was called yum the punk it was punk rock beer you know but it was it was good it was only about 4.4 percent you know it wasn't it was beer strength no the, yeah that's all you need i could have made it stronger if i wanted you know i mean i could just bung some extra sugar in like that the rest of the goons did so you got you're drinking syrup that gives you a terrible headache and, and upsets your stomach as well but I, I wanted to make good quality, clear beer. I found how to clear it out and everything, and to rack it like you would rack a wine. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually, I was making gallons of it, and I became a very popular boy. Oh wow! <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Now, hey, um, I so I don't know this because I couldn't find any. You know, sometimes when I like a band, I try and look up and find any live performances that might have been captured over the years. Did the cleaners from Venus? Play gigs, we did some tour. Gigs. Yeah, we, yeah, we did some gigs. Yeah, but um, not, Lol and I didn't. But Lol and I never played a live gig together. I don't think. But me and Giles did, and various incarnations of bands have you know going under the Cleaners' name have done it and played Cleaners from Venus songs. I mean, I had a really good band in Japan in 1994, ah. and that was uh, and that had Dave Gregory from XTC. Captain Sensible and Gary Dreadful from The Damned and oh, wow. Mel from New Model Army. That was a hell of a band. I was not worthy, as was you would he, say. Was he on the drums? 
Who? Uh, from the, the Gary from The Damned. Gary Dreadful, yeah, he was on the drums. He was a real tub thumper as well. Did he was he good. Play, he was a there's a, you might know about this. I mean, this is kind of an aside, but um, I, he might have played on a song I really like that uh, Nick Lowe put out, uh, a single from the Tartan Horde. Have you ever heard that? It was like a fake um, Bay City Rollers fan club band. I think he played the drums on that song. That was... Well, Gary, he well, he might have done. I think but so. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know he played on some of the Damned records. Yeah, he's a great drummer. Yeah, well, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good drummer, yeah. And Nell was a pretty fine bass player. And Captain Sensible is just this, he's a wicked guitarist, you know. I mean, he can be Jimi Hendrix good on a good night. Oh, wow. Whereas Dave Gregory is a really, you know, he's an excellent all-rounder guitarist. Loads of musicians admire him. Um... But Captain Sensible can get wild. You know, he, he just sometimes, I've just seen him when he's really let go and he can be, he's kind of an amazing guitarist. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, it's, and it's, it, is, it is only known by people who have seen him live. Now, it's not that, known by people who sit in armchairs criticising it. Was that a tour for the greatest living Englishman? It kind of was, yes. I did. I did some gigs round about that time. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on me to tour, and eventually, they the record company said, "We've got you ever such a nice band," and they <laughs> they had. I couldn't refuse it. It was all uh -huh. my friends and people I really liked. I mean, Nell um, Nelson from New Model Army, the Brotherhood of Lizards and the Cleaners from Venus. I mean, he lives in Col he's a Colchester boy, and we, we you know we've known each other forever. And he's just like great. He's like a, a great all rounder. He, he, you know, you can put him on whatever you put him on. He's going to be good. I can possibly play keyboards a little better than him, but that's not saying much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he can play everything else better than me. And he's um, and then Captain Sensible and Dave Gregory in the same band. That was fucking amazing. Sounds yeah. amazing. That, and there's a record yeah. of that, right? There, it's it's out. Uh, yes, there is a live in Japan. Yeah. You could, but I'd lost my voice, but there's some great playing on it. I don't like live records, and I don't yeah. like hearing myself live. So I, I've hear, heard it maybe once, but I, so just, know, I, I'm a real st a studio rat. You know, I'm a studio creature. So just to clarify a question I've always had. So, so the first few Cleaners records, I, I was never sure if they were solo records that you played everything or if they were a band. So was it the same bass player and drummer on, on a lot of that stuff? Um, no, uh, I never played the drums usually. I mean, where it isn't a drum machine of some sort with, okay. with a bit of added percussion from me. No, there's Lowell plays drums and um, a bloke called Ishiro Tatsuhara, a Japanese drummer, and another bloke called Norman Marsh, who played in the studio, and, and um, John Parrish uh, played on Ilya Kuriakim, looked at me, and I think he might have played on Victoria Gray as well, uh, living with Victoria Gray. But not, uh, the, you know, the studio one we did, the second studio one on going to England. And he was pretty good. He, he's with, he's, he's, you've ever heard of PJ Harvey? Yeah, yes. of course. Po, po, Polly Harvey, yeah. She, he's, he's, he's her main man. He's, he's, he's usually, if she's ever playing live gigs, he's usually out there playing guitar with her, but he can play oh, wow. drums and he can produce records. Wow. He's a good guy. I haven't seen him for about 30 years, but my memories of him are really good. And who, so was, he playing, was, with the cleaners. who was playing the, the homemade bass? Oh, m mostly when you hear a cleaner's record, mostly it's me playing bass. 
because bass is kind of like my hobby and I, I was mm. not expecting to play bass on The Greatest Living Englishman. Colin Moulding was going to do that um, from XTC. Right. Mm. So that was going to be... Colin Moulding had been assigned the bass tours but, at the, but he and Andy may... I don't know what the excuse was whether Colin was doing something else or whether he, he just was going through one of the periods of him and Andy not getting on. But it ended up he couldn't do it and I said to Andy... Well, probably under supervision, I could play bass because I'm not a bad bass player. Um, because yeah, I've had no, you're not. Oh, we love your bass. We were talking about it all morning. Yeah, bass playing's my hobby. I told Andy that. I said, well, bass playing's like my hobby. And then after I'd done a couple of numbers, because uh, he said, no, this is all right, you'll do, kind of thing. He didn't, you know, he didn't make a big fuss about me, like, you know, that you need to practice more, and nor did he say you're fucking brilliant. We just did the bass parts. And I listened to the bass parts on Great Stimming Englishman and think, actually, they're quite good bass parts. <laughs> but but I did say to him, I did say to him, if we're doing the bass parts for Great Stimming Englishman, can I do them all in one batch? So that, you know, during the days we're doing them, I'm just doing bass, because that's when I'll be good. Because if I had to do bass, then think I'm going back to 12 string for a bit. Oh, no, we're doing vocals next week, so... I, I just wanted to do I just said, let, let me be the bass player now, and I will be the bass player, and I'll be the best bass player I can. So that's what we did. And he rigged the bass up, got an old Fender Precision, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, and he did something really weird with it. He put a load of foam rubber yep. somewhere between under the bridge, yep, under, I between, the the last, between the second pickup and the bridge. And I think he did, and he gaffered it down. It looked very ugly but it did something that was pleasing to him in the studio because Andy Partridge has the hearing of a bat. You know, he's fucking good. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, I'd, I'd heard all these stories about what a bossy boots he was, you know, and how he'd be... But I never found that. I got on with him like a house on fire. I said, look, you know, you be the chief, I'll be the Indians. And that's it. Because that's his job and this is my job. So, um, and we got on fine. I only held out a veto twice because he asked me in, uh, I think it was a song called um, uh, She Rings the Changes. At the beginning, he said, you could put a diminished in there. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, well, instead of the D, he said, well, it might make it more interesting. I said, I'll tell you what it make it sound like. It'd make it sound like an XTC song. I said, we're not making an XTC album. And he said, that's fair enough. And he wore that race. There was another thing where there was a very high harmony, which I simply couldn't do. And there was another harmony he wanted me to put in. And I said, he said, can't you do that one? I said, no, it's not that I couldn't do it. It's just that I wouldn't do it. It's not something I'd ever do because it wouldn't sound like me. That's not the sort of harmony I'd ever put in. So did he do it but, instead? But my, but, no, he didn't. No, he just accepted that because everything else, you know, he said, let's do this. And I thought, oh, that could... Even if I thought it was a bit iffy, I, I thought, we'll try that. Because he had a thing where he'd, he'd get me to sing a voice on the octave underneath it or very quietly to fatten it up. Um, to this day, it's something that I don't do, but I did it for that album, and it does seem to work. And in the co He had a vision for the album, and that's what we did. It. And it worked, and I was really sorry when we finished it because we'd had a really great time. And, and he would tell you the same thing, in fact... He only did one interview um, a few months ago for a, a, a film documentary, which you will see captured tracks of. Yeah. You know, organising a, a documentary about this. Oh, I'm and, excited and to he, see that. 
What's the title of it? No, it's not news yet. We don't know what the title is. Um, okay. It might, it might just. Be, I think it might be called "The Jangling Man." Ah, wow! I like that tune. Well, and, keep... and there's another, there's another film, there's another documentary that has been made as well. But I'm not at liberty to discuss it. But it's rather darker. It goes more into my, <laughs> my, my psychological problems. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> or how how people say because I've I've upset a few people. My time. Not by being rude to them, but by by just probably. You know, I, I I would say if you're ever going to make a write a book about me, you'd call it the man, the boy who wouldn't eat his lovely fame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's your lovely plate of fame. Eat it up. We'll give you some money. I said, but if you, what do you do with a guy who doesn't want fame or money? Yeah. Well, you know what, Martin, you don't have anything to worry about. Nobody listens to this podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. And yeah. So you'll that's be probably safe. Probably why I'm doing it. Yeah. We're. We're very well established. It's been uh, going since uh, January this year. But uh, we've been in production since last September. Have you had any enthusiastic reactions from your two listeners yet? Oh, yeah. I even, <laughs> yeah, I even got a kiss on the cheek. Um, so doing, doing right. pretty well. So was uh, it from a woman? Oh, yeah. No, no. It was from Miles here, the engineer. Yeah. That's the sort of thing I get. No, no, my wife hasn't even that. heard the show yet, and we've I've released six episodes. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll be all right, because I do a podcast, but it's really, it's my, I don't ever heard any of my podcasts. They're about half an hour long, and they just, I take about seven, six, or somewhere between six and eight tracks, and I can just talk them about, about them a bit and why I like them. Yeah, I've Things listened to think, a few of those. I, I enjoyed it. There's some unusual, you know, I play unusual things that aren't, you know, that's why they're called oddcasts. They're things that you might not necessarily, stuff that you don't hear on the radio usually, exactly. or not enough. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, anyone who likes this program would probably do themselves a favor to listen to yours. So, uh, everybody uh, probably, is, is that, that's a, uh, Posted through Mixcloud, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Mixcloud. It's, it's beginning to build up a bit now, you know. But I try, you know, I tell you, um, I, I keep hearing stories that cleaners and me are getting reasonably well known now. That that's happened. I'm, I'm beginning to believe it as well because uh, actually, sometimes it's accompanied by some royalty checks and things. But but um, I, I'm determined to run it my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go to the parties. You don't have to, you know, accept all this stuff and do, do all the stupid stuff. You don't have to do it. And and it doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty long in the tooth now to be tempted by any of this stuff. So, and not only that, but I think they're all being bloody late if, they, if they're going to start giving me accolades now. So yeah. what, what I... What, what I do is, I, the thing is that I've said, which is a guaranteed annoying annoyance factor is, because I believe it is, I don't acknowledge their judgment or authority. Otherwise, they'd have recognized me, you know, when I was 25 years old or something. So, so <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your game plan for this uh, this new album that you've been, uh, you shared with us? Well, I want to... I want to do something. Uh, in that case, I'll send you. I'll send you the the other new track that I've finished today. I want to do something slightly different. I want to have my songs 
but not necessarily. I could go, I could make it make you a cleaners album, probably tomorrow. And I'd know we'll put some jangly guitar in here. We'll come in here with a bit of poignancy, and I'll tell everybody how much about how much I miss the railway stations that have gone. And <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a joke. There's a joke about how many folk singers does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah, do you know this one? No. no. How many folk singers? How many folk singers did it take to change the light bulb? How many? Five. Five. One to change the light bulb, and four to sing about how much they miss the old one. <laughs> that's <good. laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's how, how many goths did it take to change the light bulb? How many? None. None. They'd all rather just see in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're displaying a lot of talents today, so it. We, and you, you and gave how, us at least four cartoon how many, how many How many bass guitarists did it take to change a light bulb? How many? Only one, but the guitarist has to show him first. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have heard that one before. <laughs> or I can relate. How about that? Well, that, that yeah. So, um, do I have a... Is there a game player? I just... I just want to carry on doing what I'm doing because, you know, I'm, how old am I? I'm 60. I'm in the middle of the 60s. Why don't they, on Bandcamp, oh, there's a site on Bandcamp, and they asked me for a biography of the band. You know, a very short one. They only give you a few words. So I wrote, if you can go and check it, it says, The Cleaners from Venus are these four 65-year-old guys, and they all dress the same and have the same hairdos, and they live, in, you know, in a, in a house together and have loads of adventures. And at the end of every episode... Um, they get chased down the street by a bunch of 56-year-old women, you know. <laughs> uh, each of them has a crush on one of the old guys in the band, you know. <laughs> and that's the biography of the Clarence Reverse. <laughs> I would, see, that's, that's what we were going for. We wanted to present the biography, and <laughs> here, here we are. That's oh, it. Clarence Reverse is the 65-year-old guys. They all have the same sort of balding problem, and... and <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they they all you know live in a house together and get into adventures and get chased at the end of the by you know sort of long postmenopausal women you know. You know, I saw this really wife. cool hairdo you could try out, um, where you grow it pretty long in the back, and then you pull it forward and roll it underneath. <laughs> 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 Well, I would call that the Perry comb over. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, we'll, look, we'll look for that in the new music video. And <laughs> are you are you going to do any music videos? Do you like Do you like to do that ever? Um, no, but there are a couple of films. I'm I don't, I'm not fond of spending. You know, I think when uh, when I was with a one record company in London who could, who was named Manus, they said, "Well, we're going to spend twenty five thousand pounds on the video." Now, this was around about the time of Live Aid. It was nineteen eighty five, and I just thought, twenty five thousand pounds. That is an awful lot of Ethiopian breakfasts. Oh sure, yeah. And I said, "I'm not doing that." Yeah. You know, that's so. I just so you've got to do a video. They're all doing videos. You, but nowadays, you could make a video pretty cheap. Right. In oh, fact, sure. if you ever check out Mule TV, I have made videos. They're not music videos, but they're me clowning around, you know, for the camera. You know, 250 quid camcorder, because my yeah. partner has some very... She's reasonably good at editing things. She used to teach media and teach people how to 
use camcorders and films and things. So she, she and she's very talented. So we made these kind of spoof videos. But I, I, no, but there will be there'll be two films out. That's two great. films out. I hope in the next few months. And one of them will be called The Jangling Man, and the other one I can't give you the name of, but it's uh, it's quite arty. But it's, they're both documentaries. Well, Martin, your stuff is sounding fresh as ever. Just very yeah. tasteful and youthful. What's it, what's your recording setup nowadays? Like, you know, you're using um, four I'm using... Well, I was using a, a pocket studio, a, a Tascam pocket studio, but oh, the last right. album, which is a big a big improvement, because I was getting frustrated with four-track, finally, mm-hmm. after 80 years or something, and um, I'm using a Tascam uh, a DP350. 350, 350. It's an eight-track, so I, I'm now officially mid-fi rather than low-fi. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but if you listen to the, the new album, or the last album, which was Life in a Time Machine. You yeah. can catch up with it on Bandcamp or Spotify or something like that. Um, that that was a major upgrade. But there are other cleanest things where we've been in 24-track studios, so we have used big studios. And, but Andy Partridge, when we made that album, The Greatest of Meetings, but that was on an 8-track. But it was a very good 8-track <laughs> with a very good producer. Yeah, yeah. we, we played but, the title track from uh, Life in a Time Machine, and it sounds sounds terrific so i really like the, the direction you're taking stuff the title track from what from uh what was it life on the time, time machine oh yes yeah 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 there's a really good video of that as well wow. you can find it on um on the cleaners from venus uh, page oh, okay. on the web page it's it's pinned it's it's the main pin up there so you get to it. it's by it's by a, a uh, you know a lady called jody lover and she's brilliant. She just she's like like us. She does things at home, you know. That's all. But she's done this really brilliant little psychedelic video for Life in a Time Machine, and you can get a link to it easily enough. Well, Martin, it, it's been terrific talking to you. I think we're. Uh, I think we might wrap it up. Uh, yeah, you better have because you're going to be four years editing it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> this will come out sometime in uh, the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's cool, yeah. If I'm still alive, if not, I'll give you a list of my dependents to send it to. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, we appreciate that. Um, yeah. Well, we look forward to... Do, you didn't title your upcoming you album. Look forward. You? I increasingly look backwards, you know? We're, yeah, we, we have a lot of catching up to do as well, so... We'll, we'll we'll hit the rewind button before we. I will send you forward. one more track. I will I will send you one more track. But if you want to see that really good animated video, that's uh, that's on the Cleaners from Venus uh, page, as opposed to my Facebook account, Cleaners from Venus Facebook page. Okay, great. Yeah, as a, as opposed to my p- p- stages. All right. Okay. We're gonna go take a look at that right now. Okay. All right. And I'll send you a track. All right. Bye-bye now. Sounds great. It hey. was great talk- yeah. talking to you, Martin. Great time. Thanks for all the stories <laughs> yeah, and thank you. the laughs and the insight. And, uh, you know, you come on over for coffee whenever you feel like it. Doors as open. Soon as, they fix the telepo- as soon as they fix the teleportation machine, I'll all be right. there. Yeah. Right. Sounds good. All all right. Last Wednesday. Sounds Bye-bye good. now. All right. See you tomorrow. Bye. Step in this way. It's up these stairs The tale is very old
but it's a great one. This was the place where it began. We never had a script, and so we had to make one. The sun in spring across the floor. Back then, we still had everything to play for. Johnny, tomorrow, servant to sorrow. You hang around my door when love has gone. This room, that year, the diamond days. Her standing on the landing in a charm song. Until a chill one evening late, when August held the summer up to ransom, and then the day I packed my case. Got on my way, my fateful way. Johnny, tomorrow, seven to sorrow. You hang around my door when love has gone. Johnny, tomorrow. No time to borrow. A tricky customer you are to me. Johnny, tomorrow. Johnny, tomorrow. A tricky customer You are to me Well, that was the world premiere of the Cleaners from Venus track, Johnny Tomorrow, from an upcoming album. I don't know when it's coming out, but in the meantime, we have a lot of back catalog to check out. So please enjoy Cleaners from Venus in your leisure time. It was sure fun talking to Martin Newell, our first international guest on the show. And I want to thank Eli and Andrew for joining Miles and I on this conversation. Next time around, we'll be interviewing another musician from abroad, Jamaica's own Susan Cadogan.
had some top 10 singles in Europe back in the early 70s, thanks in no small part to reggae's legendary powerhouse producer, Lee Scratch Perry. And she continues to record and perform today. Matter of fact, as of the release of this episode, she's about to begin a European tour. I've been sleuthing to find out more about her for years, and I'm pleased to say that we got to sit and talk to her, and we had a great time. And I'm very excited to say that by then, my family will have a new third child in the mix. And when people ask me, is it a girl or a boy, I simply say, I think so. Hey, please, if you're enjoying this podcast, let me know by leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. And if you shoot me an email, I'll even send you some merchandise free of charge. I got stickers and buttons for you. There's a link to Patreon. We have an account there um, on our website, lowprofilepodcast.com. If you want to shoot us a few bucks once in a while or one time ever, it'd be really nice. And, you know, be helping out. We'll catch you right here in a few weeks. Enjoy your summer. <laughs>